0: Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter. I'm Kevin. And we are continuing to work our way through Scripture. Not all of it. Piece by piece. Because there's a lot there. But we're, we're... Okay, I phrase it that way because... We're picking and choosing. What we're, 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 about. <laughs> yeah, we're picking and choosing. We're cherry-picking our Bible passages. Wait, that's not good either. The point I'm trying to make is that we actually have, I don't know if discovered is the right word. We we kind of prefer to work from a biblical text and then get into a topic as it arises naturally from the biblical text, if you will. But we like to talk about the Bible and we've had many episodes where we eventually get around to talking about the Bible. And it's not that those episodes are bad necessarily, but if, if, Crucial Productions is all about teaching you Christianity so you can pass it on, and one of the main ways of doing that is actually knowing what your Bible says and how to understand it and, you know, read it through the lens of Jesus. We'd like to do more modeling of that, right, Kevin? That's right. (laughs) So, we're going to continue doing that. Last week, we talked about Philippians, uh, Couple of verses in Philippians that were a little bit uncomfortable. Well, we're going to up the ante this week and talk about First John chapter three, which is even more uncomfortable, or it can be, but it also doesn't have to be. So, Kevin, do you want to start by reading sections
1: thereof? Well, sure. S- start. You can start in. So, First John yeah. chapter three. Um, we'll we'll start with the verse four. <laughs> First John chapter 3, verse 4 says, this is according to the English Standard Version, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices, practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Uh-oh. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother.
0: Okay, Kevin, I have a problem. If I were to post this Bible verse passage in some of my online Lutheran groups, do you know what they'd call me?
1: Without a citation, they would say. Pietist. You're a pietist.
0: Legalist. That's not true. (laughs) You can't say that. It's my Christian freedom. I mean, so we started going there at the end of last week's episode, and that's how I kind of want to pick up on that a little bit here, but... I think I'm going to name this the title of this podcast "Talk Like a Christian," because it is actually appropriate for Christians to talk this way. Because, well, the Bible does,
1: right? Yeah, and and not just here. This yeah. is actually pervasive throughout the New Testament, and it's it's even pervasive in the New, in the Old Testament. So, there are a lot of things that we can cover in this arena of discussion because it's it's kind of the whole Christian life yeah so so the question is as we talked about last week with the Philippians passage what happens to somebody who believes that salvation is by grace through faith and then is is kind of smacked in the face with all the passages in scripture talking about how we should live and that we live righteous and holy lives and that matters.
0: Things you actually should be doing. Right. That you should be choosing to not do. Not just should. Yeah. Y- you
1: have no option. Yeah. This is what you do.
0: And John, John actually says you're a Christian if you do these things and you're not. Well, let, let me actually it's a phrase that you're a Christian you're not a Christian if you do certain things like practice sin. Right. If you're a Christian, you're you're not going to make a practice of that. You're going to avoid it. You're going and to run you, from it. As and Paul says, flee do from it. If you make
1: a practice of it, then you're of the devil. Which pietist, is a little upsetting. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot throughout this episode, See, I think. But but the <laughs> and and I think some pietist is also a word we need to clarify because yeah. there's there's nothing wrong with being pious. Being pious is is a godly pursuit. That's actually what the word means. Yes. That's a good um, thing. And To be impious is a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it's kind of satanic. So we don't want to get rid of piety. The problem was that pietism was a movement that that changed the focus of salvation from means and things that were outside of us, right? Like the cross, word, sacraments. And they move the focus to the internal things. What do I feel about that? Your
0: experience
1: and of those My experience things. of it. And yeah. so then it went, when I went to the, the realm of experience, then what we looked at was I want to see evidence of your faith in the way that your life changes as a result of your faith. And then if I don't see evidence the way that I think it should be manifest, then I question your faith.
0: Or and, I just straight up declare you not to be saved at all. Yeah, which it's is... Depending a, on how
1: far you want to go with which it. Which is a really strong questioning of your faith. Yeah. So that became a major problem in our church and in other churches that, that went along with this breed of thinking and continue to. Yeah. So we we do want to affirm a lot of what Pietist taught, which was your faith should make a difference in the way you live. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very biblical teaching. The
0: Bible um, study actually came up. Personal Bible study came out of the Pietist movement to a certain extent.
1: Even congregational Bible study, as um, something that's important to the life of the congregation, is yeah. to a large extent a as, as something of the distinct
0: movement. from the divine service or your church service in general. Right. This separate thing called Bible study
1: and th- those things are good. We and let's let's say that very clearly. Yes. Please read your Bible every day. <laughs> Please, if you're married, do devotions with your spouse. If you're a parent, do it with your children. Um, if you're single, read the Bible alone. But yeah, um, if you are single, I also encourage you to find somebody else and read the scriptures with yeah, them. Yeah, find a friend and do as it as often as possible. Yeah. Um, the scriptures were given to us to be read to meditate upon the scriptures. To, as Psalm one says, day and night make the law of the Lord the Torah Yahweh. Your delight, um, so this is certainly something you want to do, and of course that is talking about Christ. But we we emulate Christ in the way that the Word of God becomes our love too, right? Yeah. Um, so we certainly want to advocate Bible reading, Bible study, um, getting together with other Christians, and reading the text of Scripture together, but. But the difficulty of pietism was that that became the definition of whether or not you were actually a Christian.
0: And it became a, a mark of the true church. Right. There's a sense in which the movement of pietism said, okay, church isn't really what happens during the service. Church and being a Christian is what happens in in your Bible study at home, in your personal study, and all these other things apart from... The, the word preached, and the absolution, and the Lord's Supper being administered, and baptism. Because
1: that's Chir- all dead orthodoxy.
0: Right. Those are all just, those are really just ceremonies, but the personal experience that you have outside of the church service in what were called conventicles, um, well, eventually. eventually called conventicles, um, that's where true spirituality, true Christianity happens. And so, that's kind of uh, American Christianity has very strong overtones of that. Well, sort remember, of thing too. And, and we're far <laughs>
1: afield of our topic now, but But we'll get back to it. Well, yeah. maybe. But remember the one of the real weaknesses that American evangelicalism has is that because of their focus on salvation as an individualistic reality. Mm-hmm. It's me and Jesus. I asked Jesus into my heart. I can tell you the day that I prayed in my closet and asked Jesus to be my savior. When I'm, that's not me personally, that's just <laughs> that's quoting American Evening. Well, devilishly. I can tell you when I did that because yes.
0: that did happen to me personally. Right.
1: And and when the emphasis is on that as the way you're saved, yeah. Then worship really doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I can do that with Jesus anywhere. As a matter of fact, it might be better for me to do it with Jesus privately. Um, as away the from the other us. hypocrites, away right.
0: from all those other people that distract. Or not me. to be showy, Jesus yeah, says. Or to be private, when sure. you
1: pray, go alone and pray in your yeah. closet, and right, pray with the door closed. Yep. So they say, well, why come together and worship? It doesn't do any good. And then the idea is, well, we come together with other Christians to pray, or or praise, or to learn, or because and God's word says you should do this, right? And it's out of command,
0: wanting to follow God's will. So.
1: But that really removes the point of worship. And so when pietism came in and said, you know, real Christianity occurs when you're apart from the congregation of the saints around word and sacrament. It really occurs when you feel it, when you're interpreting text personally, when you're getting to the other Christians apart from your pastor and really digging into scripture. That was really the era of pietism. As it said, that real Christianity is not where God said it is which is in the public reading of His Word, in the reception of the sacraments, mm-hmm. in the means of grace that He gives to us. And, and all these other things we do, p- private Bible study, small group Bible study, that's all good. But that's not the main thing. The main thing is when God comes to us through His Word, where we gather with the other saints, right, mm-hmm. in the divine service. And remember, the focus of the divine service is not us coming together, It's God giving us grace. Right. I show up because it's been advertised that at that time and in that place, other saints are also going to show up and my pastor is going to be there to deliver the word and deliver the sacraments. Mm -hmm. Right. So I show up with other Christians and I walk in and I go, hey, how are you? I'm a sinner. (laughs) And my pastor forgives my sins. Right. And then I, then I, praise God for forgiveness and I and we pray about what we're going to learn in the word we listen to the word we listen to him preach the word we confess our faith right and then we're mm-hmm. off and running as the church and then it, it kind of culminates if you have the, the Lord's Supper every weekend with the, with the service of the sacrament there and but the point is is that in worship it's not about me and Jesus right it's about God once again coming to me once again serving this worthless sinner with word and sacrament.
0: Okay, that actually does get us right back to where we started. And exactly. How, how do we talk about our, our Christian life? Because the problem when, if I were to say to somebody, stop sinning, what you're doing is wrong, you need to stop doing that, and they come back with pietist, or right. this is my Christian freedom, you can't tell me that that's a sin, I'm, I'm free to do it they are actually making the pietist move and saying, this is just me and God, it's a personal thing. Right. This is separate from my life as a Christian in the congregation. This, this thing I want to do is actually just me over here on my own. It has nothing to do with you and the rest of the church, the rest of the body of Christ, of which I claim to be a part. Right. I claim to be a part of that body of Christ, and yet... This thing here that I want to do, you cannot speak to me about that because you're a pietist, you're a legalist, or it's my Christian freedom. Those are usually the most common things you will hear. And it's interesting because then they've actually made the the pietist move. While accusing me of pietism,
1: they've made the pietist move and said, no, this is me personally over here, stay out. And pietism, <laughs> in a, both a positive and a negative way, is one of those things that came about because this is our natural approach to religion. Yeah. This is how every sinner interprets religion.
0: Well, it it, it actually it came about because of real problems and attempting right. to address real problems in the Church that there right. was a sense of dead, dead orthodoxy. orthodoxy, that these and, ceremonies were empty ceremonies.
1: And like I said, that's in our natural reaction is to make it more about... Well, it's not, it's not about in the empty ceremonies how I feel. It's, it's about what I experience. It's about yeah. me and Jesus. And that's natural and in some ways not a terrible thing to do. The problem is is that it, like everything else we talk about, when the focus is on me, my focus is not on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and more and more and more as I, as I read through theology, as I process theology, as I write theology, as I teach theology... I realize that that's kind of the linchpin of every single issue that we face is that once again, we've simply moved the focus off Mm -hmm. from Jesus and onto us. And that's actually the problem with this verse in 1 John is that we started by skipping the important part. (laughs) I mean, just think about this. Listen how, how 1 John 3 actually starts. purifies himself as he is pure see the whole movement of the passage is what god has done for us in christ jesus that's the kind of love that the father has for us right Mm -hmm. what kind of father love the father had for us the jesus kind of love for god to love the world kind of love that he gave his only son right yeah that's the kind of love and the result of that love is that you are a child of god and you are Yep. See, he's not saying, and you might be, <laughs> if you live up to certain standards. If you're a child of God. Right. If No, he says, and you are, and yeah. we are. This is who we are as a church. So what What he then continues to say, now that you're a child of God, do you live like you're a sinner? Or do you live like you're righteous because God has made you righteous? Mm. It's that simple.
0: And, and there actually is a way to live like God has made you righteous, and that means not... Practicing
1: sin. Or positively, practicing righteousness. righteousness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do...
0: Actually actually do good things. Live out God's commands. Yeah.
1: Love. Love God. Love neighbor. Don't say, yeah, that's nice. My vocation is to serve my neighbor. No. Go do it. Yeah. Actually live righteous. And one of the things that we are scared of it for some weird reason is we think that (laughs) if I start doing good works, I'll get confused and think that I'm justified by my good works. It's like, no, why would you ever think that (laughs) your good works do not define your relationship to God? They simply don't. Yeah. Your good works are always and only a result of what God has done for you in Christ. You cannot do good works if God is not working through you by the Holy Spirit.
0: I mean, that's what we talked about last week in the Philippians passage is all of this happens because the Holy Spirit is working in you and He's actually the actor making it happen. Right. You don't get credit for it.
1: <laughs> so so here's and it's funny, I just had this conversation. You need to decide to follow Jesus. That's actually something you should do today. Right? Them's triggering words, Kevin. (laughs) I know. See, isn't it? Isn't it? See, what what happens is that heresy, false teaching comes in, and they take ideas, and they make them heretical or false. And then every time we hear that word, we're no longer able to use it the way Scripture uses it. Instead, we take it and we say, oh, that's bad. And every... Incarnation of that word, or every instance of that yeah, word, is necessarily bad.
0: Deciding is therefore bad,
1: and then you're, and then all of a sudden you're you're left really embarrassed with passages that say like, uh, "Choose this day whom you will serve." <laughs> As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And we go, we got to explain that away somehow. No, it actually is Joshua saying to the people of Israel, the church, choose, uh, choose. Yeah, you can choose the gods that are false gods that will lead you to death and destruction. Or you can choose the God who has already saved you and who promises to continue to save you. Uh, what's your choice? As for me and my house, we're going with the God who saves. <laughs> Just, you know, that's what we're gonna do.
0: Right. We're choosing that one.
1: And and we get into the discussion of volition of the will and all kinda of, but you know what? You've got to remember these passages are written to Christians. Yeah. They're not written to non Christians and we're saying, choose who you're gonna serve. No, 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 no. They can't choose. Non Christians can't choose.
0: Yeah, it's it's the same thing with the Revelation three twenty passage. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right, and and it's like, well, all I gotta do is open the door and Jesus comes in, and it's that's taken as a passage of, well, look, I can decide to follow Jesus, but once again, it's written to the church. The church. In that's not Laodicea, is it? I can't remember offhand. It is. <laughs> I don't think it's Laodicea. One of the that's churches. the that's the lukewarm spitting that's out. That's lukewarm,
1: but it's stuff. right after that.
0: Um. But talk, it's talking to the church. Yeah. So these are already Christians. They're already saved in dwelling of the Holy Spirit. All of that. They are, as John says, children of God's own children. Right. There they are. Those ones, you choose. You choose. You open the door and let me And see,
1: here's the thing. is is It's not me choosing because I'm holy and righteous. It's me choosing because I'm a child of God, and God is the one working in me to work this salvation. So what do I do? From my point of view, I mean, Peter, here's the thing. Yesterday was Sunday. This is Monday. We're recording this. Yesterday was Sunday. I had to choose to set my alarm. I get didn't. to church on time. I didn't. I did. My kids wake me up. Yeah, so that's the thing. <laughs> but, but you had to choose to get dressed and get in your car and go to church. Yes. So from a human point of view, you made a bunch of decisions that led to you receiving word and sacrament from God, receiving forgiveness of sins and eternal salvation. So yeah. it's all up to you. And, and we go, no, <laughs> n- none of that was up to me. I simply lived out what God has called me to do. I was practicing righteousness. Yes, you actually were. Yeah. And, and probably sinning at the same time, knowing you. Yeah, didn't. I didn't do it perfectly. Right. But <laughs> but the point is, it'd be silly for me to say, Peter, you should not have chosen to go to church yesterday. Because if it's all
0: about monergism, which we talked about last week, well, God will just pick me up and I'll suddenly appear magically in a pew. Yeah. And, if he really wants me to go to church. And right? he could. I mean, he
1: could. He did that with he, Philip. Oh, he, he, just did, moves, yeah. he just kind of moves them around. <laughs> but but the point is, that's that's not the way God normally does things. Right. And, and the way he normally does things, he says things like, hey, talk about this as you walk along the way. Mm. As you lie down, as you get up, talk to your children about this. Teach them. Well, guess what? You have to decide to teach your children. You have I to do. decide to read the scriptures. You have to decide. And so this word decide is not as bad as we think. It's bad if you think your decision is what... Determines your relationship to God, you're standing before God. But it's not bad if we're talking about how do we live our lives day to day. Yeah. And that's what John is getting his church to understand. He's like, hey, look, so we got to understand in first John, the issue is this the congregation is literally divided. There mm. are a bunch of people who are saying Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Okay?
0: Uh-huh.
1: This fleshly Jesus is not the Son of God, it's not true God, He's not the Savior of the world. You know, that that makes sense. And so the congregation is like, well, are we are we right to stay and follow this teaching of Jesus coming the flesh? And Jesus being the savior of the world and Jesus being God. Mm. And that's why the, the 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 book starts off with these words. He says, That which we have seen and heard, that which our hands have touched, that we've looked at with our eyes, this we proclaim to you concerning the Word of life, the life appeared, right? See, yeah. and and he's all talking about the incarnation of Jesus, and, he, and then he goes on, and you guys know how the first chapter ends, right? He says, if we have if we say we have no sin,
0: we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, not in us. Yep. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and lead us or and cleanse know, us from cleanse all, us all, unrighteousness. all unrighteousness. Right. It's part of one of our which liturgy is that we actually it's say it's that, our divine we? service. That yeah, yeah, is it's, the divine it's service. The divine okay. service. So. When we have Daily Chapel, I get them all mixed yeah, it's, up sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's not the
1: uh, the old TLH one, it's the new one, right? Okay. But but the point is is that now confessing sin is lined up with confessing Jesus as the Christ. Hmm. And that's the point of even 1 John 3, is that the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, your Savior and mine, as part of the Church— it actually means that sin is our enemy. You see, sin is what Jesus came to defeat. So if I say Jesus is my savior, and yet I want sin to be my friend, hmm. I'm, I'm actually confessing two totally opposite things. And John is saying, you can't do that. <laughs> so in this case, First John is actually saying, those who deny that Jesus is the Christ are sinning intentionally hmm. they are denying what jesus what god said to be true god said jesus is my son god said he came in the flesh born of the virgin mary you're saying god's wrong that's not of god that's of the devil you cannot persist in the things of the devil and be a child of god yep you can't it doesn't make any sense it
0: doesn't work that way
1: instead look at the love of the father has for us where is that found in jesus christ hmm That's what makes you a child of God. Now that you're a child of God, do not be friends with the devil. Do not persist in sin. See, what does he say in chapter 2? He says, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, all these pleasures we see and we want. We're tempted by those things. We want to run after those things. (laughs) But those are antithetical who you are in Christ. Right. As a matter of fact, who you are in Christ is... That's not who you are anymore. Yeah, you're not that anymore. So, So 1 John 2 starts like this. It goes, dear children, I've written these things to you so that you might not sin. Uh, See, it's not that he's—a he, Lutheran, we think, would write the letter and say, I wrote these things to you because I know you're going to keep on sinning, and I get that, and that's your Christian freedom, so don't worry about it too much. Yeah. No, he doesn't at all. He says, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. And yeah, he actually expects that to be the reality. Right, don't sin. Yeah. Same thing that Paul says in Romans 6. Hmm now that you have just right chapter five of Romans starts this way. Therefore, since we haven't justified with Christ, we have peace with God. We're good. <laughs> and then in, in chapter six, he says, well, what then? Shall we sin more? Shall we continue in sin? The grace may abound. Is that how this works? Is that now that we're set free from the punishment of sin, we should just sin because it's more fun. And because I get grace every time I do. Right. And then God will just forgive me. And this is great. And And his answer is, are you no. out of your mind? You're nuts. That's not how this works. <laughs> you are baptized into Christ. Yeah. Now that you're in Christ, you don't sin. You live in Christ and you do what Christ wants. Listen to this. Jesus is your master. You're set free from sin and now you're enslaved to Jesus. That's not an option. That's the reality. You're you're still a slave. You're totally a slave. Yeah. And that's actually a good thing. And that's the gospel. Yeah. Is that this master loves you. This master is Jesus. This master is the God of the universe yeah. who died to forgive your sins. This master says, I have a kingdom prepared for you that is full of wedding banquets, feasts, no crying, no hunger, no pain, no sickness, no death. Yeah. All these things that are tormenting you. I'm promising you an eternal kingdom without those things. But instead of those things, it's filled with bliss and love and peace and fellowship and joy. Right? This is Paul's movement in Galatians chapter five. And you
0: only do the things that I want you to do.
1: It, because those things are all love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, yeah. goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Right? Yeah. So what we end up seeing in the new Testament is that when we think that sin is good, we're in line with the devil when we believe that righteousness is good we're living out our faith in god okay but here so go ahead
0: i was going to say here's my problem when this when this comes up it it it's almost never the case that i'm reading scripture say take this passage in first john and i'm reading through and i get to the end and say okay how how can i do that what does it look like in my life if i do that it almost never happens that way usually the way it comes up for me personally, or if I'm seeing an online internet discussion where it comes up there, it's okay. Here's this thing over here that I want to
1: do. Mm-hmm.
0: Can, is it a sin if I do that thing? Right.
1: Can I find a way for it to be okay? Is, and I'm still in God's good I, graces. Cause I want to do that thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Or I've already done that thing and I'm deathly afraid that I might've really screwed up. And now I'm out because I did that thing. That's another way that it often comes up. But I think the most common is if we're talking about the in the context of you get accused of being a pietist by bringing this up, it's almost always I want to do that thing over there or I am doing that thing over there. How dare you tell me I shouldn't be doing that thing over there.
1: So the first thing we do is we 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 spend lots of energy proving that it's not a sin. Which should be an I indicator in, a, in and of itself. Yeah. It's not a sin. It's not a sin. It's not a sin. You the, can't call it a sin. The
0: constant self-justification should be an indicator right off the bat. Right. Why are you working so hard to convince me if that it's not sinful?
1: If you <laughs> read the, the, the letters of Paul yeah. and the letters of John and even Peter's letters, mm-hmm. you will learn pervasively that the acts of a Christian are not questionable whether or not they're sin. They are explicitly righteous and everyone thinks so. Yeah, nobody questions whether Everybody's they're like, righteous. Oh, that's good.
0: Even the non-Christians right. will look even at the us and Right, even the non-Christians will look at our actions. Hey, yeah, that righteous. was good.
1: And and that's the problem. Is most of our discussions are in these gray areas where we're trying to say, "No, no, I think it's okay." And at that moment, you have actually betrayed your fallenness. I'm not aiming for what I can get away with. The goal of the Christian life is to love as God loves, to be holy as God is holy.
0: I I will use myself as an example from when I was a kid, that when my parents are teaching me how to clean the house, um, my mom did a really good job of teaching me how to clean a bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) And, And looking back, I'm pretty sure that she was banging her head against a wall up until the point where I actually did it correctly because... If I know myself, probably what I did the first few times or even a while was do just enough to try and get by and try and find out okay, where's the line where my mom won't notice if I don't take this extra go the extra mile here and I just do just enough here. If I don't, will she really notice if I don't wipe behind the toilet but just wipe around it? Is she really going to check how far can I go? Just to just do enough to be okay. But knowing I'm not really trying to thoroughly clean the bathroom and really get it clean. And my, my goal isn't, I want this bathroom to sparkle. My goal is, okay, how much do I really have to do before my mom's okay with it? Um, I believe I actually got to the point where it's like, you know what? I really like, it's good to have a clean bathroom. I'm going to do this wonder. I just had a thought. That took a lot of practice on my part to get to that point. That might yeah. have something to do with this too. <laughs> but my point is, my natural inclination isn't, hey, let's go all the way and make sure I'm doing this well. It's, okay, do I have to go that far? Do I really have to stop watching that TV show? Do I really have to stop listening to that music? Or that is it really that bad? Maybe I can just do some of it.
1: And Paul's answer is, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret.
0: I'm uncomfortable now.
1: That's a long ways from. I think I can figure out a way that make this okay. Yeah. And 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 it just in case you're listening and, and getting upset with us or or uncomfortable with us or or confused. Welcome. I'm getting
0: uncomfortable with myself, Kevin. I guarantee somebody else Welcome <laughs> to the
1: law. Yeah. This is the point of the law, is it should be hammering you at this moment because I can't live up to what I'm advocating. Mm-hmm. I can't live up to what I just read. If you are taking the scriptures seriously, you should be terrified. Yeah. Because I'm not even allowed to mention the things that people do let alone enjoy them and do them myself. And according to 1 John, if I do those things, I'm not in line with Christ, I'm in line with the devil. Hmm. That's terrifying. Yeah. Because my concupiscence not only encourages me to do things, it actually encourages me to give in the temptations when I face it.
0: And it encourages me to enjoy them. And then
1: I find myself enjoying them. Yeah. And then when I'm at the altar of the Lord... And I'm confessing my sins, or I'm confessing my sins. Otherwise, I have to try to want to be sorry. Mm. And I find myself not even wanting to be sorry, but actually kind of saying, "I know I should be sorry,
0: but I really like doing that thing."
1: And I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared that if I get rid of that, that my life will be boring or whatever, or it'll be cool, which I'm not. But <laughs> you know, but I won't be able to relate to people because they're all watching that show right yeah yeah and and all of a sudden you, what you notice is that your measuring stick for what you want to do is not the word of god is not the torah is not righteousness is not holiness it's what you want to do mm-hmm. and you're trying to find a way to excuse it and the law will not let you do that the law will just hammer you and say yeah. no you can't even mention that stuff kill it and that's why this entire discussion is always clothed in the righteousness of jesus
0: Well, the hard part is that John isn't very Lutheran because he gave us the gospel first and then the law. And so now I don't know what to do because I'm left feeling crushed by the law because John did it backwards, Kevin.
1: And John says, keep reading. Just, (laughs) Just keep reading. And when you get to the end, start over and read it again. It's a big circle because John's whole point is Jesus is not what he did he does talk about what he did but the real focus of john's writing is who is jesus mm. and when you see who jesus is then you learn who god is and when you learn who god is then you learn who you are and his point is you're a child of god mm. the devil doesn't get a say even when you align yourself with the works of the devil you have one who has conquered the devil you have one who has said, because of my death and resurrection, child of God, that's who you are. I mean, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, it isn't just a proof passage for to say, see, all other religions are wrong. <laughs> no, it's actually Jesus saying something very important. Yeah. You, are you worried about your relationship with God? Are you worried about you before the divine holy being that you're going to face one day as judge? Well, okay, here's the thing. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. So if you want to live, you want to be with Jesus. Mm. And if you want the truth about who you are, listen to Jesus. And, and there's the same thing even with this working on living in righteousness. Please, please, because the Holy Spirit is working in you, embrace righteousness. Realize that sin is your enemy. It's not more fun. It's not better. It's awful. It's killing me. It's killing you and the gray areas probably means that they're not totally holy and righteous.
0: Well, and the the part with the gray areas, too, is, is it really worth it? Right, that's the point. I mean, if you have to spend that pursuing? much time questioning... And then, so th- this has been helpful for me, um, I don't know, in the last couple of years, as Kevin, you and I have talked through this, is just recognizing how often those gray areas are really just me trying to justify doing whatever it is I want to do. Right, I'm not honestly... Thinking through, okay, is this actually the way God wants me to live? Is this actually according to His will? I'm a Christian. Is this really what I should be doing? No. That's why. That's why I presented my scenarios. Like, no, I'm always, I'm pretty much always saying, I want to do this thing. How can I excuse it? And I think when we're talking about, okay, law and gospel, and where does Christ come into it? When I find myself in that position of practicing lawlessness of practicing sin, well, it's just what just what you said. Christ has conquered that sin. And so I remember the sin that I'm practicing has been conquered, and I need to remember that, that I am a child of God, and that I'm brought back and to the place where I'm a child of God. I don't want to do this. And I've actually found myself in times where it's like, you know what? I don't want to
1: do this anymore. Right. I actually And it's wonderful when those happen. It's really a blessed <laughs> thing. And here's the other thing, I just want to say this before we close. It doesn't always happen, but it does happen. It, right. <laughs> but but as a brother in Christ, it's this this whole theology and understanding what sanctification is that we've been talking about does not then put me in the judgment seat and say, Peter, I get to look at you and tell you all the things you're doing wrong and how terrible of a Christian you are.
0: No, not at all. And that that was one of my questions last week, is, okay, well, when do I actually tell my Christian brother, hey, maybe don't do that?
1: You tell him when the goal is to get him into Christ, to drive him to the cross for forgiveness. If you love your Christian brother enough to point him to Christ, even in his daily actions... See, I don't, I don't have any right to judge you, none, hmm. because my concupiscence is enough for my lifetime of judgment, right? <laughs> if I'm going to look at anyone and put them down, I just need to look right inside and say, "You are so guilty." We, there's enough to deal with. Money to deal me. with there. Yeah, but but what if you love your Christian brother enough to encourage them in righteousness,
0: hmm.
1: not because you got them and you found a way to put them down, but because you actually believe that righteousness is better? And what if they look at you and they say, "I'm broken. I'm struggling." I can't. Hmm. That's when you make sure you have Jesus, and you proclaim to them. What kind of love has a father given to us? Oh yeah, the love that's in Christ. And what's the result of that love? You are a child of God. Hmm. I know you're struggling. I know you're given in temptation. I know you failed to live righteous and holy life. But He never failed. Jesus is the righteous Son of God. And what does it say in Romans? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, right? See, if you're talking (laughs) righteousness, don't look at yourself. You run right to Jesus, and you say, there it is. There is a righteousness of God. And what does your baptism do? Joins you to that righteousness. It says, you're now in Christ. That righteousness is yours. That's yours. See, and what do you hear in the Word? Your sins are forgiven. You are now righteous in Christ. Christ. What does the Lord's Supper do? You literally (laughs) eat and drink the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then when you do, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why? Because in that, you are now righteous. Not because of your actions, but because of righteousness of Christ. And so what do I do as I get it from the Lord's Supper, as I get it from absolution, as I remember my baptism daily, what do I do? As I say, Lord, teach me. Hmm. Teach me to live according to your will.
0: Yeah. And that is the crucial conversation.